Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. It is the 12th of January 2020 and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show with me. Imagine my name was like Ted TV. You'd be like, well, his name's Ted TV. Why is he called his wrestling podcast Simon Miller's Wrestling Show? Thank you very much for joining me once again. It is Tuesday. We are out. No, it's not. It's Wednesday. No, it is Tuesday. Man, I haven't any sleep because I was up watching Monday Night Raw. What a doozy of a program that was. Uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get to AEW, NXT, and anything else that has been going on in the world. I suppose we should start by talking about Drew McIntyre. That was kind of the, the big news story. That only broke late last night, but also was a massive reason Raw went nuts. He tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, obviously, the most important thing is to send good wishes to him and hope that he gets better. There's conflicting reports about whether he's symptomatic or not. I mean, it doesn't even matter. He's got it, right? That's the key. He's got it. So he needs to get to the point where he doesn't have it anymore. And that's all I care about. I find it a bit weird when people go, oh, well, is he going to be ready for the Royal Rumble? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's going to be ready for the Raw Rumble. I would much prefer it if he was, and we could just do, you know, Goldberg versus versus him and get it done and dusted. And because I want to see it, we've already talked about this, but I find it crazy. It's like when when there's a tragedy to a wrestler, you always get these bizarre tweets, these bizarre messages. We'll, we'll take someone that's had no tragedy. Randy Orton, there we go. They go, well, I don't much like Randy Orton the wrestler. But I hope he's doing okay. Why did you need to throw that in there? Just say you want him to get better. It's the same with this. Like, well, I hope Drew is fine, but he can't miss the Royal Rumble. Of course he can. He can miss the flipping Royal Rumble. It's called Life, Health, and Fitness. It's far more, far more uh, integral than any wrestling show. But obviously, that meant that WWE had to write everything. They had to rewrite everything. And I know people go, oh, well, they do that every week. I know. But this was a huge rewrite, given that Drew McIntyre would have had numerous segments throughout the show. He would have been the main event versus Randy Orton. I think for the championship. I don't know whether that was ever established or not. And it just meant at the start of Raw, out came Triple H. He was like back from the Shadow Realm. And they left again at the end of the show to go back to the Shadow Realm or maybe the Phantom Zone. The Triple H story is absolutely fascinating. Like if you just watch Raw or SmackDown, he's a guy that kind of comes and goes as he pleases and you've no idea why. And if you understand even the wider world, but you're happy to suspend your disbelief, he's a wrestler that basically semi-retired to go and run NXT, but then every now and then still just comes back and you're never really, really told why. I am desperate for someone who has only been watching wrestling for a month or so and had no prior knowledge to get in touch with me and tell me what they thought this was. Because I know you get a little bit from the announcers and the commentary team trying to tell you, oh, it's Triple H and he's done this and he's done that and he's got a history of Randy Orton and so on and so forth. But it must be truly bizarre. It is such a niche and such a, oh, what's the word? I guess internal product? It's not the right word. But, you know, it asks, it asks so much of the person watching sometimes, even though it is just guys and girls in their pants fighting that it, well, it, it just, I don't want to say it rolls my eyes. I wouldn't say that. It's just, it's just mad. <laughs> It's just absolutely mad. And I kind of think you have to give Raw a little bit of a free pass in the sense that they were pulling at strings in many ways. But I still didn't understand a lot of the booking on the show. I hate doing that. It's not like a proper nerdy wrestling fan, but I am a nerdy wrestling fan. Let's not pretend otherwise. But we essentially had the same segment and the same angle three or four times. We just repeated it with different guys. Like we had Keith Lee and Sheamus making up and then falling out and making up even though they hadn't made up before all of this. We had two, I'm going to fight you, and then I'm going to fight your second matches, because we had uh, Jeff Hardy versus Jackson Riker, and then Jeff Hardy versus Elias. And then we had MVP versus Bobby, uh, sorry, we had Bobby Lashley versus Matt Riddle, and then Matt Riddle versus MVP. And they both kind of went exactly the same way, apart from one was distraction, one was DQ. We had four distractions, four distractions on the show to finish matches. And we had a random tag team match with Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax taking on Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. And then Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose lost, lost but they put themselves in the Royal Rumble as Adam Pearce 10 minutes beforehand had told Drew Galloway, uh, Drew Galloway, Drew Gulak he wasn't allowed to do because he wasn't a big enough champion. And then it just lost. Oh my gosh. How does anyone keep up with this? I don't get it. Why do we even watch? I'm kidding. I'm joking. I, I, no matter how bad Raw is, I'm never going to be that guy. 
And it was a shame too, because I really like that AJ Styles-Drew Gulak match. I think mostly because I like both wrestlers a lot. And I did think it was a lot of fun, but it was that I think that was the fourth distraction in a row. And I was like, I can't. I just can't. Maybe even the third. But the point is we'd had multiple ones already. And it took away from everything because it's just too much. Because the question I want to ask somebody is, did you not realize that you'd done this? And if you didn't, how can I realize it and you don't? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a bugbear of mine and I'm being too serious about it. I need to chill out. Totally, I get it. But the idea of flub finishes or shenanigans, I feel like should be a maximum of one a week over both Raw and SmackDown because otherwise the credibility of a match goes out of the window. And I know that wrestling's not real and blah, blah, blah. But if you were watching football, either that soccer or American, and every single match you watch ended with a farce, eventually you would stop watching because you'd be like, why aren't the officials clamping down on this? You know, why aren't the, why aren't the participants getting fined? You know, it, it's getting too silly for me because I'm rooting for my favorite team and I never really get any kind of a resolution, which is not good. It's not good for me as a fan in the sense that my team aren't progressing, but also I don't have that, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe my team aren't getting better. We're on a losing streak. Like, this is why people love sports, because they organically tell stories. Like, I'm an Arsenal fan, and I know that's going to send everybody crazy. I don't know why. You say you're an Arsenal fan, and people just want to... I never get that. Oh, Miller, you suck now. It's like, dude, it's just football. I don't care. Um... But, you know, their story this year has basically been, oh, my gosh, they've got some momentum. Maybe they're going to end up in the top six places of the Premier League. Oh, no, they've fallen off. They've lost complete control. Maybe they get relegated. Now it's gone the other way again as they've got a few wins on the bounce. And that's the narrative, right? And that's why it's so interesting. But if 75% of those matches have just been called off because the game got abandoned for some reason, you'd be like, this sucks. That is also kind of what's happening with COVID. It's, you know, it's cancelling matches and people are getting more and more frustrated. So back in the world of wrestling, when you're doing it all the time and you never get any kind of clean finishes, unless it's against like, you know, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, who you already assume are going to lose because they never win. And the fact that nothing will come of it for Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, you just don't, you're just not moving in any kind of direction. We're not even standing still. We're just kind of twirling around in circles. Like if you go through the entirety of Monday Night Raw, who actually came out like, oh man, I've got to keep an eye on that guy. Maybe Keith Lee. Keith Lee did have a good evening. I thought he was very entertaining in the tag team match when he did team up with Sheamus to take on Miz and John Morrison. And then he beat Sheamus. But that ended with them hugging, which instantly says to me that Sheamus is either going to eliminate Keith Lee from the Royal Rumble or they're going to have a rematch and Sheamus will win. Now, I could be completely wrong, but that's what I've been told is more than likely going to happen because more often than not, that's what WWE does. And you fall into these patterns. So you probably, you just didn't, you could have just sent everybody out there that you sent out there and just said, look, just go have really good matches. I didn't want to see Elias versus Jeff Hardy again, and I found it was a little bit shallow. But if you were given them, I don't even know if they can have a good match over 10 to 15 minutes, but if you had said just go out there and have a really decent 10 to 15 match, and Jeff, you're going to win. And then you've done the same with Keith Lee and Sheamus. To be fair, which they did do, that was a clean finish. I forgot about that. But you'd, you'd, you know, you'd allowed Bobby Lashley and Matt Riddle to have gone longer than two minutes, and you there was another one on there as well. Oh, the Charlotte Flair stuff. <laughs> Right, hands up, and I want you to do it. I know it's an audio show, but I want you to do it. Hands up if when you tuned into Monday Night Raw this evening, you was like, man, what I really want is a 72-year-old man to get it on with a woman in her 30s. That's really desperately what I want to see on my wrestling TV because that's what you're going to get. And on top of that, we're back to this whole thing where Ric Flair and Charlotte Flair have fallen out. I think this is the fourth time we've done it. I just don't care that much. I'm sorry that they don't have a very good family vibe in terms of the story, but, you know, but yeah, that's what he did. He held his daughter's foot down so Lacey Evans could win because he wants to get banged <laughs> by Lacey Evans, which also, Ric Flair, if you are listening, which of course you're not because you're far more important. Um, well, not far more important. You just don't care about me, which is fine. But that's not a way to get a relationship, man. She should love you for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we do with this. What does it end with Charlotte Flair versus Ric Flair in a, in a ring? Like, what happens? Where is the payoff? Because unless Ric Flair is going to fight, which he absolutely should not do, and I do not think is going to happen, they're just going to bicker, 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 and then eventually Charlotte will beat Lacey Evans, and then we'll move on to something else. I should have said there's some ups and downs over on What Culture Wrestling YouTube. Make sure you check it out, and I didn't, and I now regret it. It is nice that Lacey Evans is actually being used again, because I quite like the character. I think she's very good at it, and she was coming and going, coming and going, coming and going, so it's good that she's actually 
Oh, that's a terrible turn of phrase. Move on quick. But it is nice that she's back on television. It's just a shame the story is absolutely, absolutely bonkers. I understand as well, there's a lot of um, vitriol on the internet at the moment because Oscar wasn't on the show at all. Look, Oscar wasn't on there. Shelton Benjamin wasn't on there. Cedric Alexander, a bunch of other people. I don't know for sure, and I've not had any kind of murmurings or rumours. But it would stand to reason if Drew McIntyre got some kind of... Uh, well, if he, if he got the bug... That other people are going to as well, given that the environment they're housed in when they are performing. So I would suppose if your favorite wrestler wasn't on uh, Monday Night Raw, it's because, yeah, they, they may have coronavirus or at least are self-isolating. And I think this may about to be uh, found to be running through Impact and AEW. I think a lot of the wrestlers, as you would assume, got together over, over the New Year's period. So... I mean, there's so many things we can say about that, but I won't say those here. I just hope everybody is okay. That's the main thing. I just want everyone to be healthy. We can argue about what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, but we're here now, and it's better to send out those positive vibes. A uh, quick shout-out to pinsandknuckles.com as well for always supporting the show. And a quick shout-out to Retribution, who got another win. T-Bar uh, beat, uh, beat Xavier Woods, which was kind of cool. Maybe they're building up some kind of tag team program there. Again, it was the whole 50-50 thing again. Great that T-Bar won. Sucked because it was a distraction finish. Number seven, I think that was. Number 42, but... I don't mind if you want to build to some kind of, uh, well, I guess Mace, Mace and T-Bar versus the New Day. It's kind of, I think that'd be okay. That would be all right. I forgot they lost the tag team titles, actually. So I guess maybe you want to do something with the Hurt Business, too. Just all very strange. So <laughs> just, now I think about it and just try and pierce it all together. Just very, very, very strange. Obviously, the main event was Triple H versus Randy Orton in a fight. If, like me, you watch it when it's recorded, you can see that there's only about six minutes left. Or you can just look at the clock when you're watching it live. So you're like, okay, well, we're not going to do anything too crazy here. And that's kind of fair. Something I haven't seen a lot, although I'm sure people are saying it, is that Triple H must have got 24 hours notice to do that. And while I'm, you know, he probably keeps himself in good shape, he's not in wrestling shape. And I don't know if Triple H is ever going to wrestle again. I think 2020 was the first time in about 25 years or something he had a wrestling match. Maybe not that extreme, but it's been a while. But you have to give him time if you're going to build him up to something. This was basically a, you know, break glass in, in case of emergency kind of a deal. So they beat each other up and they threw each other into the stairs, into the announce tables. Uh, then Triple H got his sledgehammer because he decided he was going to murder Randy Orton because, of course, earlier on Randy Orton had stolen his balls or insinuated that Stephanie McMahon had done that. And then the, the lights went out, the sledgehammer set on fire, Triple H got pulled back into the Phantom Zone and Alexa Bliss appeared and burnt Randy Orton's face. These angles are always going to divide people. Because if you don't like the Hocus Pocus, instantly it's not for you. And if you do like the Hocus Pocus, you probably enjoyed it. I thought the visual was cool. And I thought it made for some great photos. And it did get people talking a little bit. We are now literally fighting fire with fire, which is a saying. You can tie into the idea, well, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? Because, you know, if Randy Orton is blind, or at least that's the idea, you're going to feel a little bit of sympathy for him unless you're cold inside. So, you know, that's... I don't know if he's building to the Royal Rumble. I don't know if he's building to WrestleMania. I don't know what the payoff with Alexa Alexa Bliss is. But I didn't mind it so much. I don't think it's the best thing that they've ever done. It would be nice if they explained what happened to Triple H. He just won't be on the show next week either. And they should probably have him on milk cartons and people asking, well, where the hell did he go? But yeah, it was fine. Like, it, it was fine. It was an angle to get people talking. And I'm 99% sure this was the way that Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton was going to end. In fact, that whole end segment was probably pre-recorded. I think Randy Orton got some kind of cut on his nose or his cheek or his head that he was trying to cover up during the fight with Triple H because he knew that a pre-recorded segment was coming where he wouldn't have this cut. Saw a few people melting down about that again. I don't care about things like that. It's a live environment. Things are going to happen. We know it's not real. I mean, look at movies. You can go through Star Wars, right? Star Wars, some of the most revered movies of all time. There's loads of things like that. Plot holes and screw-ups that people didn't see and, you know, inconsistencies. It doesn't matter. I think if you're going to get that... Well, if you're going to be that much of a pedant about it, it's just, it's just not worth your time. Your life is worth more than that, I promise you. But overall, it was just, it was a raw that didn't feel like it connected together because it didn't for the reasons we've already talked about. And it's kind of a shame because it comes off the back of last week's Raw, which also wasn't that great. I think the problem that Raw is suffering at the moment is we all had this idea that when the ratings hit the floor, WWE was going to pull something big up to hopefully... Uh, stop the leak and what they did do was the legends night which did do a great rating so fair play to that you can't get too mad about it 
and then there's no, there's no real follow-up from it. I mean, Triple H being on the show may be another Band-Aid, which is something else that you don't want, because I really do think we need to get back back to brass taxes. Like, I'd love to see Alistair Black back on the show. I understand that Vince McMahon isn't very high on him, but can't we try? Can't we give him something? Andrade, that's somebody else. Angel Garza, I mean, like, there's a not the last two, uh, the, the former two, but Angel Garza, again, may be in that COVID group. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But we haven't seen Alistair Black do anything in three, four, maybe even five months now. It's been a while. And I would like to see... If we don't like the current gimmick and we think it's too vampire-esque or whatever it was that put us off to to start with, why don't we sit down with Alistair Black and try and recreate this? I just want to see fresh mats up. I want to see fresh stories. I don't even need fresh stories. Like, you know, most stories that are told once again in, in films are exactly the same as, as other ones or the classics. But it's the way they tell them. and It's the way that they are approached and the way that they are delivered. And I think WWE has just fallen into a little bit of a pattern. Hence why when you get distraction, 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 DQ, roll up, distraction, distraction, DQ, roll up. It's like, this is stupid. It's absolutely stupid. And it does affect the clean finishes as well because... You've already made up your mind. I'm repeating myself. But you've already made up your mind that it's not going to happen. Then you are surprised that it has. And then the next match, it happens again. And you're like, oh, why Why did I bother? So probably a Raw that we uh, that we should forget. But I think the Orton and the Fiend stuff is fine. I do. It's okay. Um, I just don't really know where we go with it. I don't know how Alexa Bliss t- ties into it. I guess it doesn't really matter that it's not heels and faces either. I mean, you know, the Fiend is an ambiguous character. Randy Orton should be a bad guy. He set somebody on fire. But I again, I don't think we ended it that way at all. Odd, though. Very odd. Uh, the big news of last week that we haven't talked about yet is the coming together of the Bullet Club. Uh, now, this I'm actually kind of glad that I've, uh, by accident, not spoken about it till now. Simply because, if you watched BTE yesterday, I believe, as I'm saying these words, I don't think we're going to get what it looked like we were going to get. That's a really... I shouldn't I shouldn't be allowed a podcast if that's what's going to come out my mouth. But the point but the point is the young bucks don't seem particularly happy with Gallows and Anderson for a very insider reason. And that insider reason is that if you don't know before Gallows and Anderson re-signed with WWE, they were going to debut on the first ever Dynamite. They were going to reform the Bullet Club or whatever you want to call it, the club, the elite. And then Gallows and Anderson were going to turn on the young bucks and that was going to be our first big tag team feud. And it would have been great. We would have got a huge reaction and there we go. The Good Brothers got offered a bunch of money in WWE. They stayed. We know that didn't work out. Now they're back doing what they were going to do, you know, a year or so ago. And Matt and Nick Jackson don't particularly trust them. Now, I actually think that's far more nuanced and far more cool than the story we would have had before. Because it seemed, again, we it looked like at the end of Dynamite last week, oh my gosh, you know, these people are back together. What's going to happen? And if that kind of actually plans out that it's Kenny and the Good Brothers going against everybody else, there may be something in that. Maybe they can recruit somebody you weren't even thinking about. I don't mind the amount of factions AEW has because most of them have come good. Like we didn't like the Dark Order. Now the Dark Order are awesome. Team Tabs was a little bit hit and miss, but now I think they've found all the momentum in the world. If you want to, maybe you could put Cody with the Bucks. I don't see it happening. Or you know, maybe Hangman Page could get re-recruited and that's how you build back up to the uh, you know to the Omega versus Hangman Page world title match. Maybe the year ends with the Young Bucks as the tank champions and Hangman Adam Page as your world champion. And they finally, after 12 months of, of good wrestling, have taken these three assholes down. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, so that I, I enjoyed that little bit of a tease and I want to see what they're going to do with it from here. And I thought Dynamite overall was a, was a really good show. We do need some answers about Sting. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to put... And I love Sting. I think I've made that perfectly clear. Uh, fanboy, yeah, whatever you want to say. It is all good to me. Um, but I do believe now he needs to... I know he's done a couple of interviews, but I just need a little bit more... I think depth is probably the wrong way, uh, the wrong word. But I just need something so that we have a little bit more direction about what's going on here. Look, maybe you could do a tag team match. I know... Nobody wants to see Sting in a match, but it's wrestling. You can come up with perfect things. I don't think anybody is going to mind if we do some kind of wrestling match. Maybe it's a no-holds-barred. Sting comes in with his bat, smashes a few people, gives somebody uh, the Stinger Splash, gives somebody the reverse DDT, puts somebody in a Scorpion Deathlock. He is able to do that. He can probably take one bump. You don't think a 61-year-old man that's kept himself in shape can't fall onto a... The wrestling rings are actually really hard, but they are still designed to give a little bit. It's not like falling on the floor. If Sting was to fall on the floor right now, I think he'd be okay. So I'm sure he could take a prepared bump in a wrestling ring. I'm not saying he should be par-drived on the apron. I'm not saying he should be put through a table. I don't want to see him hurricane-rounded off the top rope. 
but he'd be able to take a clothesline. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'd be able to take a clothesline. He's Sting. He's a legend. If he gets in there and kicks everybody ass, that's okay. Just make sure Darby Allen gets the pin. Make sure Darby Allen hits his move, and then you've taken all this power and this legacy and this iconness that Sting has, and you've put it on the shoulders of the young guy. And that's what you should be doing with your legend. So I'd like to see something like that. I saw, well, some person got in touch with me and said Sting should turn heel. That's a dumb idea. I appreciate people getting in touch with me. That's a really dumb idea. People like Sting. They were excited to see Sting. You don't. That's a WCW thing. It's like, oh, nobody will see this coming. Yes, the reason nobody would see it coming is that's like winning the lottery and then you set fire to it because you want to <laughs> you want to make an impact. You're a moron. Why didn't you spend the money? And I want Sting to be spent as money. Um, but we do need to we do need to sort of see that all all coming together. I loved everything at the opening match as well. The the Young Bucks and um, SCU taking on who was it? TH2 and the Acclaimed. I love both the Acclaimed and TH2. I think they bring something new to the table, and it's awesome to see AEW investing in young tag teams so much. Um, I was a bit surprised the SCU story. I mean, in in retrospect and hindsight, I think maybe it was just a tease for what's next. I would have preferred we hadn't even mentioned the tag team titles until they got a few wins under their belt. But whatever, it may work this way. As long as they go on a winning streak and then eventually, you know, lose to the Bucks, which splits them up, I think that would be cool. Uh, but the reason I wanted to talk about it, though, is the, all the stuff that's come out about Nick Jackson after the fact. Because he hurt his foot in this match. His ankle, I believe, which did stop him from doing a bunch of moves. And I really, sometimes I don't say these things on ups and downs. So I just think it's me. And I think you're an idiot, Sam. You don't know what I'm talking about. But I assumed that something had happened, especially when they were going for the Meltzer driver, I think it was. It wasn't the best Meltzer ever. It, the way that it was done and he didn't go for it, it was a bit like when nobody attacked him and nobody got near him. I just thought it was a little bit of a, of a mistimed spot or something. But no, he wasn't. He didn't feel confident because his leg was bad, which is also why he didn't do the super kick. And he didn't do the super kick at the end of the night onto Griff Garrison and, and Brian Pillman Jr. either. So the fact that he managed to not only do all of that in that match, but then also tell us, I think back in November or whenever it was, he had the coronavirus too. He came back from that match and sort of killed it with the FTR. The FTR, I've renamed them. So Nick Jackson is unreal. <laughs> Nick Jackson doesn't make any sense. And I should talk about Moxley and Ray Phoenix too. It's just an incredible match. I know it's not for everybody because that's not everybody's style, and that's fine. There's no right or wrong with this. No one's going to force you to watch professional wrestling if you don't want to. But the crazy suplex, uh, German suplex, when Phoenix flipped off the rope, when he kicked back up and just booted Kenny right in the face, some of the V-triggers, oh, man, all of it. The the Hurricane Runner off the apron, I believe it was. It was just fantastic. I absolutely love it. I think Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world right now. I think he just has something about him. He's found his... Well, he's found his whatever you want to call it. He's got his moxie. He's got it going for him. And I don't think it's possible for Phoenix to have a bad match. I think Phoenix is... I wouldn't say Phoenix is underrated because people know how good he is, but it's incredible how... I mean, would he ever be AEW World Champion? I don't know. And I think somebody with that level of skill, you'd probably go, oh, he's definitely going to be AEW World Champion. But I don't know whether he fits that bill. I don't know whether it matters when you have that much power in the tank. Just go out and have good matches, have good wrestling matches all the time and people are going to love you. I thought it was phenomenal. I saw that Dave Meltzer and The Observer gave it five stars. I don't have a star system, but I would have given it whatever the full marks of the Miller marking system. I would have given it full marks. I thought it was just so much fun. And the fact we got it on free TV, I thought was a joy. Uh, moving on to tonight's shows or tomorrow night's shows. It's kind of it's good good lineup because obviously it's New Year's Bash Night 2. You've got Darby Allen versus Brian Cage for the TNT title, which hopefully does tie into everything we sting we've talked about. I don't know what that would be. Um, but I like the angle that they did, and you know, Taz seems very confident that Brian Cage is going to win, which is good. It plants those seeds of doubt in my mind. You've got Chuck Taylor versus Miro, and of course, if Taylor loses, he must become Miro's young boy, or basically his servant, which means that Chuck Taylor's gonna lose. I think it'd be ridiculous if Miro, you know, the big hoss comes in with these stipulations and he isn't able to pull it off. It could be quite entertaining, especially because right now you do need to do something different with them because Trent got injured, which sucks. He doesn't need any surgery, but he's pulled his pec or torn his pec. That's going to take a long while to recover, a good four, five, six months. So yeah, all the all the positive thoughts with him too. Um, what you do with Orange Cassidy, I don't know, but I would. I think you have to have Chuck Taylor lose that. And I think Chuck Taylor gets it. I think it would be quite funny. Serena D versus Ty Conti for the NWA Women's Title. If you haven't seen Road Two, the AEW YouTube show, get your eyes on that. They've turned that into the most like fascinating match ever. 
And I really like both of those. It's definitely Ty Conte's biggest match. And Serena Deeb, obviously, just uh, is a very experienced wrestler. The Elite are being advertised to be in action. So I guess that could be Omega. It could be the Bucks. It could be Gallows and Anderson. It could be all five. So that would be intriguing. They've made the change in the FTR match to where it's now Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. And I can only fathom they've done that because FTR are winning. And they want to protect Luchasaurus somewhat. But that would be a fun match. I think that would be fun. Everybody will melt down if Marco Stunt does anything to hurt Dax or Cash. And like, oh, it's not realistic. Even though the third guy of the Jurassic Express is a dude in a is a real life dinosaur I should say let's not mock him greatest person ever Pack versus Eddie Kingston on the show obviously going to be good the inner circle is going to offer their new year's resolutions I'm sure that will be fun and actually I like this I do think there's too many too many talk shows in wrestling so maybe I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite but I have enjoyed what Britt Baker's been doing with the um the waiting room on dark she's got Cody on here it's a great way to feature on the show you just know Thunder Rose is going to pop up so I'm actually all good with that I think it will uh yeah, I, I think it'll be a it'll be a fun show. And just the real shame is that the, the, the ratings for both NXT and AEW got absolutely wrecked by the news channels last week, as you can imagine it would do. Like imagine anything else had happened. So it was a shame, but you know, that's life. What do you do? You move forward and uh, we just hope that what did happen never ever happens again in a million years, my word. I'm just trying to find the NXT preview now because I can't actually remember anything that's happening. And I'm a bit like um I'm a bit like Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer. When he goes to talk about something, he goes, let me just pull my notes up. And I'm like, why didn't you have your notes up to begin with? And now I've done the same. So more for me. This isn't a preview. What is this nonsense? Oh, wait, this is from 2016. <laughs> so why are the Ascension back? What the hell did I miss? Is this going to work? This is not good podcasting. I'm well aware of this. This is me now talking to fill time. That website doesn't even work. I should name and shame these people. But I won't. That's 2016 as well. What's the deal with 2000? I'm putting in 2020. Clearly something massive. 21. Clearly something massive happened back in 2016. Everybody's crazy. I can't find what's going on in NXT, which suggests to me that maybe the answer is nothing. <laughs> maybe nothing is going on on NXT, and, and the website will then the website will never tell you, which is a terrible thing to say, but it, it's absolutely true. I don't know what's going on in NXT. Let me look at the NXT Twitter, and then we'll move on because it's just getting boring now. I'm boring myself. Uh, no, I have no idea. I have no idea. And I can't remember. Oh, the last we had the Finn Balor versus Kyler Riley match, which was flipping awesome. I remember I tweeted this out. Never ever tweet you like a certain wrestler or you say, you know, I think these guys are really good because everyone goes, what about this person? It's like, it's not a diss. I'm not saying secretly everybody else sucks. <laughs> I'm saying what my point was, given that we had Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega and we had Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly, two top tier main events that were very different from each other. You know, what an awesome time it is to be alive. Four incredible wrestlers. Obviously, we'll get the uh, fallout from all that. And hopefully we'll find out what the hell's going on with Damian Priest. Damian Priest was meant to be on... That's an interesting story, actually. Damian Priest was meant to be caught up to SmackDown as Kevin Owens' best friend. And Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns both were, well, that doesn't make any sense. We don't have any history together. Nothing's been teased. It's going to feel shallow. And amazingly, they got Vincent Mann to change his mind, which is the right thing to do. I do want there to be an awesome place for Damian Priest because I think he's great. But when you do things like that, they always run out of momentum because they, again, they don't have any weight. They don't have any depth to them. But I don't want him to get lost in the shuffle. I don't want him to now not be on NXT and not be on Raw or SmackDown. Introduce him... That's your guy. I tell you, he's like already in his late 30s, which I actually don't think is a problem, but I get it. It's a young man's or young person's sport, I should say, as most sports are. Wrestling's a little bit different given how it operates. But he, he, he can do something. He can add something and he can freshen up some matches. So don't just don't ruin this one. I know I'm talking to the converted and I know nobody's got any uh, any faith in it, but I just desperately want a guy to come up and feel like something and feel exciting and feel like they're making a difference and freshen up the show. And Damian Priest can absolutely do that. And at the moment, I have no idea what's going to go down with that. Talking of SmackDown, I guess we should discuss Adam Pearce. I, even if we get to the Raw Rumble and it's Adam Pearce versus Roman Reigns, the reason why I would give it a pass is because I think at the, at the Rumble of all the pay-per-views is where you should be doing more fun world title matches because the Rumble is going to sell itself. I understand the counterpoint to this, yes, Simon, but lots of casual fans watch the Rumble, so we should be trying to get up-and-coming people in those positions. But nine times out of ten, the champion at the Rumble is still the champion by WrestleMania anyway. So all it's going to be is somebody in a random match. I would much prefer long-term storytelling, which is what we're doing now with Roman Reigns. That's why Adam Pearce won that gauntlet on SmackDown 
SmackDown. It's for Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is taken over the company. Roman Reigns has lost his mind. Roman Reigns doesn't trust anybody. Roman Reigns thinks he should be in charge because he's a narcissistic, egotistical sociopath. And that's great. And he's manipulated Paul Heyman. He's manipulated Jey Uso. I'm sure he'll manipulate more people as we go. Somebody made a really good suggestion for a, a female um, addition to that group. But it wasn't Naomi. It was somebody else. Well, that's great. And now I've forgotten because of course I have. But I don't believe it's going to be Adam Pearce versus Roman Reigns at the Rumble. I think it could be Nakamura versus Roman. I think it could be Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, given that we have established, don't forget, that Adam Pearce and Kevin Owens are friends. That's how he was able to get the Jey Uso match last week. So maybe that was the Alistair and um, the Damian Priest role. And I'm good with that. I like it. It rewards me for being a fan. It's something a little bit different, a little bit silly, I suppose. But it's not silly like WWE can be silly, like the R-Truth 24-7 title stuff. And I love R-Truth, but the, you know, the constantly running geeks gets a bit old very quickly. So I am not going to rag on it. This is an occasion where I am going to let the story play out, especially because if the story plays out, Roman Reigns destroys Adam Pearce at the Rumble. I actually think there's something in that that helps Roman's character. And this is what we want. The issue isn't that we should have less of this. It's that we should have more of this throughout both shows. You know, it shouldn't just be the main event guys that are allowed to expand this way. Obviously, mid-card and lower-card guys are going to have less time to do it. But we should all have this much to, to toy around with so we can have so much more fun. I mean, if we had done that, the AJ Styles-Drew Gulak match we got last night would have been better too. And that was still pretty decent other than the ridiculous finish. So, no, I didn't mind that at all. I really enjoyed uh, Big E versus Apollo Crews. I like the silly, screwy finish as long as we don't do it for a while. That's the key. Hold it off for another six months. So of course, we'll do it on Friday. And what kicked off that match too? Oh, no, we had the tag team titles changing hands, which I also liked. Genuinely, I thought that was a surprise. I didn't see it coming, but then I realized it's all good because we had the Montez Ford uh, injury angle to, to, to get away with it. And I liked all the Gauntlet matches too. I thought Shinsuke versus Sami Zayn. Uh, sorry, I thought uh, Rey Mysterio versus Sami Zayn was a shame. I would have liked those guys to have more time because I thought it was a really interesting matchup, but I get it. That's just how WWE sees Sami Zayn. You can't get mad about it. Uh, Rey versus Nakamura, I loved. Nakamura versus Baron Corbin, I really enjoyed. Uh, Daniel Bryan versus Nakamura was flipping brilliant. And then, yeah, with a little twist, sports entertainment thing at the end, it all worked for me. It truly did. We do need to, someone, someone needs to tell me why Sonya Deville has just been allowed to be back in the company. I'm glad she's there because I understand the personal stuff she's gone through. But surely we could have come up with some kind of narrative to explain why she lost a loser leaves town match, leaves the company, and now she's just walked back in. And as I've said before, and I will always say, Billy Kay needs a segment every week on SmackDown. She is someone that should have a talk show. Right? That is someone that should have a talk show because no matter who you get on there, Billy Kay is going to be entertaining and she'll probably get you to watch and you can build other characters because you know she's going to make you laugh. And I know she's not everyone's cup of tea, but why do we even have to say that? That should be implied. Just because I like these certain things doesn't mean I think you're going to like these things. But yeah, I, I, thought she was, uh, I thought she was awesome as usual. Just a goof, just a moron, which is always going to tick my box. I, it does feel like Raw and SmackDown are being written by different people, and I don't think they are. So, <laughs> so that's kind of surreal. Uh, just a crazy week all round for professional wrestling. Well, obviously the Drew McIntyre stuff uh, uh, topping it, topping it off. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any news that broke over the weekend that I may have missed. I don't think there was, but we we always do this. I mean, the Steve Austin show, whatever it's called, is uh, that's the the one on the network. Um, Whatever the USA Network with Steve Austin has been has been doing the rounds, so he's been talking about a lot of stuff, which is always it's always cool, always cool to hear. You know, always cool to see what the Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Stone Cold, like my mum's talking about him. I'm just going through news now, and I really should have checked this out, but I think it, usually it pops into my head. And today it was just a bit like, meh, no, I don't think. I guess the Bullet Club coming together, and well, let's face it, uh, wrestling as most forms of entertainment was utterly waylaid by real life scenarios this week and i hope no matter where you are be over here in the uk where we're suffering quite a crazy lockdown at the moment is kind of severe kind of um obviously the most important thing is making sure people stay alive but i totally get the uh, the lockdown situation is a massive toll on people's mental health and obviously in america just so much division i suppose and i just hope that everybody is is doing okay there's some bad people out there and we need to we need to get rid of them one, one way or the other uh, before we do get to the questions though please do come follow me on instagram and twitter at simon miller 316 i also have a patreon patreon.com forward slash simon miller 316 uh, which is how I'm able to do this podcast. If one day that disappeared, I don't know what I'd do, probably freak out. But if you want a postcard from me, personalized, if you would like a t-shirt, if you want to come on the podcast, I can absolutely do that for you. I try and treat it like a shop. You know, you're going to support me. I try and give you something back. Uh, go to YouTube channel, look out for Simon Miller and give me a subscribe on there. 
And I have merchandise too, simonmiller.bigcartel.com. So if you want some of my stupid slogans on a t-shirt, you can. You can do that, and it's another way to support. But to be honest with you, just by listening to me right now, you are supporting me enough. And if you could hit the subscribe button, depending on the podcast app you're using, that would rock too. Let us answer some questions. And we'll start with Connor Cooper, who says, what are your tips for podcasters trying to expand their audience? I think you just got to make the content and put it out there. Like, it's so hard to build your audience. You never know. You're so reliant on people's platforms and what could happen and what couldn't happen. I think the first thing you have to do is just to do things you're passionate about. Try and make it different if you can. Be entertaining or be you, I suppose, is a better way to do it. Be transparent. And, you know, make what would you want to listen to? Because that's the only... I mean, you can sort of survey the audience that you have, but the best barometer is, do you want to listen to this? And I totally get it. Sometimes I make videos and I watch them back and I'm like, well, I am like this, but is anybody else going to like it? I think Ricky Gervais said that, though. You know, he makes stuff for him and he just assumes that somebody else will get into it and they usually do. And I would say the same thing to you, Connor. If you're doing something that you're enjoying... Um, you have Wrestling With Fiction in your Twitter handle, so maybe that's the name. Yes, host of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. That's a good way to do it. I've just mentioned it. Everyone go listen to Wrestling With Fiction. Um, and you've even got a pinned tweet that says, Storyline pitches, sketches, and I guess making people wrestlers who aren't wrestlers. Um, well, what, one bit of advice I will give you, and uh, there's nothing wrong with what you've done, and I'm not saying that I'm right, but maybe be a bit more on the nose with your description, because I may read that and go, well, I don't really know what that means, you know, what's going to happen, so maybe, maybe just do that, I don't know, just an idea, but yeah, resting with fiction, let me know how you get on. Eleanor, how do you feel about Ric Flair getting involved in Charlotte matches and costing her the match? I think it's ridiculous. Um, it's not ridiculous, it's, just, it's one of those wrestling stories where you're just never going to completely buy it, and I think there's other things that we could have done with Charlotte and Ric Flair. I also don't understand why everybody in WWE has to be deceitful and bad. Like everybody screws everybody else over. It's why when Sheamus and Keith Lee were mates for all of 37 seconds, I quite liked it. I was like, ah, friends. <laughs> we, have, we have friends in WWE. And you don't really get that. And so, and also what's, I'm repeating myself now, but what's the payoff? They're not going to have Ric Flair versus Charlotte Flair. I mean, ratings are down. So maybe we would. But does anybody want to see that? Probably not. Um, I just don't get where we're going to go. We've done it numerous times. I don't like the idea of Lacey Evans and Ric Flair having sex. We've talked about this too much during this podcast. LFC Sidhan says, in terms of long-term storytelling, I think Sheamus versus McIntyre should be for the WWE Championship at Mania. Your thoughts? Look, man, Mania is not going to be selling tickets this year. I would guess, which does give you... I mean, you still got to sell it through the network and potentially on pay-per-view, depending on what WWE does. If they tell the right kind of a story, I have no problem with Sheamus versus McIntyre. I really, really don't. It's focusing on talent that you've got now. Um, you just have to tap into people's imaginations, right? And they have set the scene, which is good. They haven't rushed into it, also good. And now they need to figure out, okay, well, what do we want to do next? And that's easier said than done. Like, it really, really is. And I don't, I'm not saying I know what they, they could do. I presume that it could be a triple threat with Keith Lee in there as well. I don't know. But I wouldn't be against that at all. I've always liked Sheamus. I think he's underrated. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. Uh, not that he cares, I'm sure. He smashed it. He's you know, one of the most consistent performers in WWE over the last 10 years or so. I would be all right with that at WrestleMania. And even then I say that, but I bet I'd be in the minority. My man Thomas says, if you had to get rid of one ups and downs, not including retro, what would it be? Raw, AEW, SmackDown, or Impact? I mean, probably Impact. Not that I think it's a bad show, but it's the latest one that we've done. And it's a views-based business. And that's the one that gets the less interest. And it's always more fun when you're talking to a bigger audience. But that just ties into the uh, the ratings themselves, right? The, the, the ratings themselves is, you know, a, uh, SmackDown is the biggest. And then Raw and then AEW. And that kind of does sync up sometimes with the, the amount of people that watch the shows. Not always. I think the AEW fan base is a little bit more uh, hardcore, which would make sense. But yeah, I get rid of Impact just because it's... You know, first in, uh, last in, first out mentality. Rams, who should win the men and women's Royal Rumble? We're going to get this question until the until the Royal Rumble itself. I would like to see Keith Lee on the men's, and I would like to see Bianca Belair on the women's. Cactus Mike says, the biggest missed booking opportunity, and how would you book it? Well, I don't know if it's the biggest missed one, but the one that always comes into my head is Bret Hart debuting in WCW. Hottest baby face in the world, good guy in the world, you know, had everybody's sympathy because we'd all, even when I was a fetus then, I kind of figured out what had happened through one way, uh, one way or the other. All he had to do was come in, be the voice of the fans, going to fight back against management. I'm going to be, you know, the people's person. And it came in as a referee for that Sting match. And then they turned him heel within 12 months. They didn't know what to do with him, which was ironic because that's what Vince McMahon had told Bret Hart. They're not going to know what to do with you. And they didn't. 
I always see that as a massive, massive missed opportunity because I think treated right, it would have given an injection into WCW it likely needed. And then who knows where we would be now? You know, Bret Hart did bring a massive following with him. I don't even think WCW started like touring Canada properly either. It's properly, it's properly nuts. Otherwise, ones that come to the top of my head would be the Triple H, Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon angle. Really, Kurt Angle should have wooed Stephanie McMahon away. Um, and I think that would have elevated him even higher and it wouldn't have damaged Triple H. He was too good at the time. Uh, we should have done Austin versus Goldberg, so the invasion angle in general. That's easy enough to book it. You just pay the money for Hogan, Nash, Hall. And I, I totally understand Vince McMahon didn't want to break his pay scale, but he would have earned it all back, even if he had raised all the WWF's guys' uh, salaries at the same time. So that's probably the biggest one, the invasion. And it's so sad because it, should, it, it was still okay for what we've got, but imagine we had done it right. Uh, my man Tom says, the favorite ups and downs you've ever done? Oh, man, the one after uh, the, the Raw after WrestleMania in New York, when we, or the SmackDown, when we had all the people there. And that was so annoying because the camera glitched and we didn't have half of it. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. And I, I left away from that feeling really just uh, humbled by the, the this, this love and the support and the appreciation. And it was so cool to see people get so excited about being on camera. I loved it. P.S. Could we see Chris Van Vliet review Heroes of, Rest- Heroes of Wrestling with you? You are two of the most positive dudes in wrestling, but I don't see you finding anything positive in that show. P.S. Love all you do. Still really hoping to interview you. We should probably try and set that up. Um, I don't know how we would do that. And I wouldn't be able to do it on what culture for many, many, many reasons. It's just a... It's just not a conflict of interest is the wrong word. Well, maybe we could do it. I don't know. We'd have to look into it. But I'm sure that Chris and I could do something. We've interviewed a couple of times. I really respect him. I respect his work. He's a really nice dude as well. Like, so easy to talk to. I'm just having a look at the, yeah, the that stupid Heroes of Wrestling is winning by a mile. Oh, dear. Thanks a lot. Well, I look forward to watching that. Timothy Black says, hey, Simon, I hope you had a good day. Thanks, man. You too. I have two questions. One, what matches do you think will take place at AEW Revolution? And who do you think will win these matches? I think we'll get Kenny Omega versus Moxley too. And I think Kenny Omega will win by dodgy means, thanks to the Bullet Club, whatever you want to call them. I would imagine that we are going to get SCU versus the Young Bucks for the tag titles, maybe. But you could also probably do the Good Brothers there too. Who knows what they're going to do. TNT title is interesting. Maybe Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen again. I don't think you'll lose it to Brian Cage this week. That's a really good question. I'm not sure. We're still a good sort of... It's the same time as the Elimination Chamber. So we're good eight, uh, six, seven weeks away from that. So we've got a while. Um, I'm trying to think who else is in a... Maybe you hold Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker off till then. I can't see them doing it, but you never know. It's a good question. I'll be interested. And two, how do you think the AEW and Invact invasion angle will end. I hope you will stay safe. Well, it's got to end with, as we kind of talked about earlier, Hangman Page being the world champion in AEW and winning the belt back. And, you know, the good guys, your company, won the war. This is the time to let the invaders kick some ass, which, again, which what WWE didn't do during the invasion because they didn't want WCW to look strong. And then you just turn the tables. And and the good guys, quote-unquote, win. That would be fine for me. It's the obvious story, but again, Romeo and Juliet. Hanif says, okay, not really a question, but could there be a way the Miz at Raw Rumble would cash in on Big E's IC title to go for the record number of reigns? And then the loss of his belt pushes him to win the Rumble later that night to face Roman at Mania. I mean, they could do that, and I'm sure it would be polarizing, but they're absolutely not going to because they are not going to give Miz that much. <laughs> That's just the truth of it. And I like Miz, but I can't see them doing it at all. Uh, Boss of the World says, what should Bray Wyatt return as? Oh, man, I don't know. And I wouldn't tend to have a better idea. I mean, I guess he's going to come back as the Fiend, but maybe that he has, because he has been off TV so long, it can be a version of the Fiend that isn't as... Um, that's not as wussy. (laughs) Is that the right word? I don't know. But we kind of did lose our way with the fiend a little bit, which was a shame. So maybe we can, uh, yeah, we can go back to um a version that's kind of terrifying and scary. Although I kind of want to bring back Babyface. Apparently, it's going to be interesting. I don't think it's going to be as removed as some of us are hoping, which isn't necessarily a bad thing by any stretch of imagination. But I don't think it's going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. They've changed the. Uh, they've changed the whole thing. But I could be wrong. I absolutely could be wrong. Oh, I've opened up the wrong window. Don't do that. I can't close it now because my computer's being my computer. There we go. 
Landon says, who do you think would be the WWE and Universal Champion at the end of the year? Well, I'd like Big E to be the Universal Champion by the end of the year. And to be honest with you, I hope the WWE Champion is still with Drew McIntyre. I think then you would have massively established him as a guy that people should take seriously. I don't see him running out of uh, of steam anytime soon. He can lose it a couple of times. That's fine. But if we give him good feuds and good stories, you've got a champion here, at least a top guy for at least five years. You really do. I really like Drew McIntyre. I think he gets it. I think he's worked for it. I think he's someone that the fans are behind, which is always awesome. I always like it when it's not um, someone being I mean, like, rammed down the throat. I always think is a little bit of a... Well, it is true. They do do it. But the, the point is, this isn't that at all. This is someone that people actually admire and actually like, oh, I want you to do well. And it's so much better when a baby face gets cheered. It just is. It's just a, a really, really nice, a really, really nice feeling because it never happens. Alex says, do you think they should cancel push back the rumble with the current situation? Surely having multiple people in the ring is a no-go, especially with the outbreak that's happened this week. Well, not really. I mean, if if you're going to look at it from your standpoint, Alex, and you're 100% correct, then wrestling should stop. Because, you know, you get matches in the ring, you get tag team matches, we've had battle royals. So if we're going to go ahead, we may as well go ahead regardless. Um, But then again, again, that comes down to should we be doing it in the first place? And we've kind of discussed that before. It's difficult for me to sit here and kind of, you know, wave the, the big flag and shout on my soapbox when it's provided me with so much entertainment, so much distractions, and allow me to do stuff like my YouTube videos and this. So mentally, it's helped me very much. But again, health and safety has to come first. Uh, it's very difficult all around. In t- I saw somebody else ask me as well, should we cancel it because there's not going to be any fans? You can't do that now. There may not be fans back till next year. We just have to plod along and just hope that everybody's going to be okay. I will say that if AEW, Impact, WWE did cancel it, I would completely understand. It, I, I wouldn't be mad about it. I wouldn't think, oh, I can't believe it. I think it, I, would, I would understand. I would, I would get it. I would get it. There would be no animosity from me. Besides, there'd be enough uh, <laughs> there'd be enough animosity on the internet to begin with, so I can just walk back and enjoy the fun. Uh, be positive. Good name says I tried to watch Wrestle Kingdom. It was the first time I watched a New Japan show, but I found it difficult to keep track of the names. How did you get used to the names? Well, it's the same as everything. First time you sit down to Raw, you have no idea who anybody is, but the more you watch it, you get used to them. It's just as simple as that. As I watched, I'm like, that's Naito, that's Okada, that's Tanahashi. Uh, that's Kojima, that's uh, Yano. You just, like anything, like when you meet somebody at work, it just becomes association. You see them, you know who it is, and onwards we go. Uh, Jagged Little Me, when backstage before a match, what is the atmosphere like? Is it calm while you me- Why is it calm whilst you mentally go over the match in your head, or are you pumping yourself with lots of screaming and loud music? Well, I've never screamed. Uh, I always blast some music out before I go out. I make sure I do a lot of stretching. Uh, I personally find it's good to have some you time before you go out there and get in the right headspace because the best wrestling matches are when you have mentally you have your character down all ready to go right they're usually the usually the best ones it doesn't always go that way and it's difficult to get in that mindset but you can absolutely over talk a match as well and I think a lot of people myself included do that because you're nervous um, but it's the it's one of the best feelings ever. <laughs> I will say that, and it's one of the things that I miss desperately. Again, completely understand. It's all good. We'll get back to it. Um, but it's I think it's the reason that you get hooked on it. You get this sort of dump of adrenaline and nervous energy, and then you get the reaction from a crowd. Even if it's only 50 people, it still counts. It still gets you, and then you get to go throw somebody else around. And when you do a good job... You do, you feel genuinely satisfied. And I, uh, yeah, I miss it a lot. Uh, the Tribal Chief, yes, sir. What do you think of WWE going ahead with the Royal Rumble despite the COVID outbreak? Bit worrying, to be honest. We just want the talent to be as safe as possible. Yeah, as we've just said, it, it, it's a really difficult call to make. And I just hope they make the right one. Uh, X Mad Pancakes. <laughs> I know there's been controversy with him, but would you like to see Enzo and Big Cass in AEW? Say what you want, but they were over. Would you want them back on a big stage? Right. So controversial take from your boy Simon Miller. I was never a massive Enzo and Cass fan. I'm not saying that to be cool. I'm not saying that to be clever. Like I enjoyed their shtick to a certain extent. And I thought, okay, um, you know, they're over and that's really, really fun. But I had, I definitely didn't buy in as much as, as everybody else had done. I was like, yeah, okay. You know, they're right. But there was something there that I didn't get, which happens with a lot of professional wrestlers. So look, I'm never going to, not want somebody to get a job and if AEW thinks that they can do something with them that's cool Uh, I would imagine there's a lot of healing as people say to do but again you should always allow that process to be there you can't hang a dagger over somebody forever Um, but it wouldn't be someone that I'd be you know gambling for just because they weren't my guys simple as that they weren't my guys Uh, 
Uh, Agent Wakanda says, what's your thoughts on Adam Pearce versus Roman Reigns? We talked about it. I'm all good with it, man. Give me different stuff. Think outside the box. Uh, don't not give me what I want just to think outside the box, but I don't believe we're going to get to the Rumble and it will be there. Uh, James says, what are WWE trying to prove by having Trips called Randy a prick when their content remains firmly PG? Also, why did Trips wear jeans and a t-shirt and still do his entrance? Well, I'm going to assume it comes down to being in shape, right? I'd be the same. If I wasn't in super duper shape, I wouldn't take my top off. I would be absolutely self-conscious and most people that go to the gym are. And you've already proved why he called him a prick because <laughs> you brought it up and they think it gets people talking. And to a certain extent, it does. And to a certain extent, it's a little bit immature. Tom wants to know what my prediction for the outcome of Charlotte Flair. Ric Flair drama is they make up and it's like it never happened. So there you go. Uh, Jao Felix's son says, hey, Simon, no ups and downs today. But I mean, look, dude, I appreciate your passion. But that was 27 minutes <laughs> after it was meant to go up. And given that I've never missed an ups and downs, I would appreciate it if you had more faith in my delivering of the ups and downs show. But I do I do thank you for the support. It's up there right now. Go check it out. What culture wrestling? Zach says, when are you going to get back in the ring? As soon as they let me, man. I was talking to someone about this all of five minutes ago, well, before I started the podcast. Uh, I had a match in March. 2020 the world shut down in the uk especially wrestling was done and it hasn't opened up again since and as soon as it does and it's safe and i think other people are going to be safe because i am very serious about that i there are some things you have to prioritize i will be back i don't know when that's going to be i would imagine probably not till later this year like deep late this year q4 uh, my man pancakes is back again simon no joke i'd love to see gobbledygooker as a full-time wrestler I think it'd be funny to see a giant turkey running around. He would catch your eye. Just imagine the fa fans wearing his mask. I think it would be entertaining and cool. What do you think? Well, now I think that you're Vince McMahon. That's what Vince McMahon wanted to do. <laughs> Vince McMahon wanted to... He thought it'd be the mascot for WWE. That's what he thought. And he thought kids would wear the mask and do that and do, and do this. And it didn't work. So absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever suggest it again the gobbledygooker was a terrible terrible idea and we'll finish off with alex who says do you think the undertaker well, it's another gobbledygooker question this has got to be a ruse do you think if the undertaker debuted as mark the earthworm callaway that the gobbledygooker would have been a better debut or even had a career no the gobbledygooker was a bad idea like i said we talked about this before nintendo had mario sega had sonic all these other things and wwe thought we should have one of those you know mickey mouse has disney and it made sense and they probably should have done that but you know a giant fluffy turkey after months of building it up was never going to be the way it was too preposterous uh, there is a certain coolness to mario and sonic and mickey mouse maybe coolness is the wrong word but they have a uh, something about them there's nothing something about looking like a turkey costume that i made when i lost my eye <laughs> like it just it just doesn't work so no i don't think even if the undertaker had there was no saving the gobbledygooker is my point it was dead in the water it was absolutely terrible and it makes my heart hurt deep down in my in my bones so there we go um talking of the raw rumble as well i just had a google notification saying there is going to be no fans i mean that's not a surprise at all um apparently wrestle votes uh, tweeted out today and they do get a lot of things right uh, the fact of the matter is wwe views the stress man power and complete undertaking of removing the thunderdome for one night is just too much wake it will work it's sad but true good metallica song and they're right it is, and it's also probably not safe. 100% uh, not safe. This also happened earlier, uh, sorry, in the midst of the Q&A as well. PW Insider put out this list. Cedric Alexander, Oscar, Shelton Benjamin, Nikki Cross, Humberto Grillo, Ricochet, Angel Garza, who was on Raw Talk apparently, I haven't watched it, were backstage and not used. So that's very strange. Why we didn't have a tag team match with um, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric, I don't know. Why we aren't building a single street for Oscar, I don't know. You could have done something with Nikki Cross. You could have just had a match between Ricochet and Humberto Grillo. That would have been fine. So that makes the whole situation very strange. I do not know what the hell they were thinking about, to be honest. Uh, WWE's also filed for three new trademarks. Nope, that's not interesting because it's just random people they're going to be called. And um, yeah, we already knew about this. Dave Meltzer saying there's other people that have tested positive for COVID, which isn't that much of a surprise. On that note, we will wrap it up. We will be back on Thursday to talk about AEW. Hopefully NXT if I get time to watch it and anything else that's going on. Again, thank you so much for listening to me. Please do subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, check out old episodes too. We're on, available on everything. And if uh, we're not on your podcast app of choice, get in touch and I'll try and figure it out why. Uh, check me out on YouTube. I've done all that. We don't need to do it again. I'm just going to sign off. There's no. I've done my promotion. We stuck it in the middle of the show. More importantly, thank you so much much for joining me as always and i will talk to you again soon